KMTT, Wednesday, Hey Tishrei. Today's shiur is in Parshat HaShavua. It will be given by Harav Menachem Liptag. This year, as usual, Shabbat Shuvah and Parshat Tazino come out together. And there's no doubt that you probably couldn't pick a better Parsha to talk about the topic of Shuvah. Ask almost anyone, have they heard of Shirat Tazinu? And they'll all probably tell you yes. They can probably tell you the first 10, 15 psukim by heart, because that's what we lay in over and over again um, on Mondays and Thursdays. Um, but ask them, what's the song about? And sometimes it'll be almost caught by surprise that it's pretty hard to define what exactly is the topic of the song. It talks about some good things, some bad things. The truth is, to understand what Shirat Tazinu is all about, we really need to read the end of Parshat Vayelech. What we're going to do in our share is as follows. We're going to read the introduction to the song in the end of Parshat Vayelech. In light of that introduction, we'll be able to go through the shira, understand it a little bit better. And hopefully towards the end of our share, we'll also try to use uh, the content of Shira Tazinu to understand how to appreciate why many of the books of Nevim Rishonim, especially the book of Yeshua, was written. Let's begin our share with the end of Parsha Ve'elech in Perak Lamed Aleph, where God calls Moshe and Yeshua together to the Olam Moed for some information to share with them before Moshe is about to pass on and Yeshua is going to take over leadership. We begin with Perak Lamed Aleph, Pasek Yudalad, where Hashem calls Moshe, um, telling him, you're going to die soon, call upon Yeshua, gather in the Olam Moed, um, and we'll command them. So Moshe and Yeshua gather in the Omoed. God appears to them in the Omoed, and we'll begin reading from Pasuk Tetzayin, verse 16 in Perak Lamed Aleph, as follows. Okay. God tells Moshe a very difficult prediction. So what's going to happen? After he dies, this nation is going to follow the gods of the land, that the foreign gods of the land they're going into. When they follow those gods, they'll be breaking my covenant with them from Harsinai. And therefore, Pasuk Yudzayim, I'll have to be angry with them on that day. I'll have to leave them. I'm going to hide my face from them. They'll be eaten up by their enemies. And terrible things will happen to them. What would the people say at that time, on that day, when all these terrible things happened to them? Why are all these terrible things happening to us? How come we have so many... How come God's not answering our prayers? How come things are so bad? The people conclude, Because my God is not in my midst. That's why That's why these terrible things have befallen me. It's difficult to understand exactly what the people are saying here. It can be understood in two ways. Either the people were saying, it's our fault that these bad things are happening because God was not in our, in our midst. Or, it could be understood the other way. The people were blaming God. Why are these terrible things happening? Because God's not in my midst. God's not taking care of me. In other words, you could understand this pasuk as the first stage of tshuva, where the people recognize these terrible things are happening to the Jewish people because we've left our God. Or, it might be exactly the opposite. The people were saying about God, the reason why these terrible things are happening, because God has left us. And they're venting their anger against God. And thus saying that, blaming Him, blaming God, 
for what's gone wrong. To answer that question, which possibility makes more sense, we simply need to read the next pasuk. Pasuk um, Yitchet, God continues, V'onochi, Hastir hastir panai bayomahu, I'll call a rasha rasa, kifana alim acharim. What will God do? God will continue to hide His face from them on that day because of all the bad things they did because they followed other gods. Now if God says after they make this statement that He'll continue to hide His face, it seems like God's not happy with that reaction. Therefore, what most commentators understand is that this statement that God's not in my midst is not the beginning of tshuva. It's quite the opposite. It's a lack of recognition of what the reason for what went wrong. And instead, what they're saying is, is God's punish, punishing us for, I mean, God's not helping us. And that's why all these terrible things are happening. Now, in light of that, in light of that comment, that the people were blaming God for their troubles, uh, we now find the introduction to the song. Again, the last several psukim explained that terrible things will happen to the people of Israel because they left God. The people are going to say, how come these terrible things are happening? Because God's left us, instead of saying, because we've left Him. To prove that, we simply need to read the next line. Moshe says as follows, Vata, now, Write down this song, Teach this song to the people of Israel. I want a witness, a reminder for the people of Israel, so when things go wrong and this situation happens, they'll know, in a nutshell, who to blame. Now he explains in the next several psukim, Pasachav, For when I bring them to the land that I've sworn to give to them, a land flowing in milk and honey, the people who eat, be satisfied, and become um, oversatiated. Uh, it's interesting that uh, what should be, it should be, that's earlier in Sefer Dvarim, where God describes how Moshe in the speech describes how the people should react to God. Here, when they're going in the wrong direction, it says, Well, what will happen? The people will become prosperous and then they'll become affluent. They'll follow other gods, worship them, and they'll break my covenant with me. Now, the next passage simply proves that, that this is the reason for Shirat Hazinu. When these terrible things happen to them, when God's going to come and punish them for their deeds, what will happen? This song of Shirat Azino will be their answer. That will be an eternal testimony to them. Because I'll know it by heart. And hopefully they won't forget this song. Because I already know now, ahead of time, God's saying, I know what's bound to happen. I know the Yetzer of this people, what's bound to happen before I bring them to the land, this is bound to happen. And since I know it's bound to happen, that they're going to leave me, and then they're going to blame me when things go wrong, I'm writing this song down so that they'll know who to blame, who really to blame, when that punishment takes place. Then, Moshe then writes down this shira, the song, teaches it to Bnei Israel, and then continues with other commandments uh, to Yeshua about writing down the entire Sefer Torah. To summarize what we've seen so far in this introduction, what Moshe Rabbeinu is explaining to the people, or what God is actually explaining to Moshe to explain to the people, is that what's bound to happen when they come in the land is they're going to follow other gods. God's going to have to punish them. When, they, when they're punished, the people are going to think it's God's fault why things are going bad. They're going to blame God for not helping them. 
God will get even more angry with them, and we're going to be in this vicious cycle of who's to blame. Moshe says now that the purpose of this shira, the purpose of this shira tazinu, that he's going to about to teach the people of Israel, is they'll have a guide to lead them out of this vicious cycle, to help them recognize when things go wrong, not to blame God, but to blame themselves. Um, to appreciate this in the song, we simply need to read the first several verses. Um, the truth is, Sukim Aleph Bet and Gimel of the song, the first Aliyah, when we read it on Mondays and Thursdays, is really an introduction and not really the song yet. It's like an opening call to Shemayim Ba'aretz to listen, an opening um, request that his words should flow nicely. And then in Pasuk Gimel, Moshe gives one last word of introduction that Kishem Hashem Ekra, as he's about to teach this song, whenever he mentions God's name in this song, we should praise God, and from that pasuk, we have our famous minhag of uh, when someone makes a bracha, uh, when you mention God's name, bracha Hashem, the tzibur answers, the congregation answers, whenever we mention God's name, we, we give greatness, we praise our God. That's all introductory. The song itself begins with pasuk dalad. Let's look and see how this theme of who's to blame is going to be the opening statement of the song. Pasuk dalad begins the main part of the song, Hatsur referring to God, Hatsur, um, the rock, or who's there all the time, the word Sur here refers to HaKadosh Baruch to God, Hatsur Tamim Polo, everything that God does is straight, correct, perfect, Ki Chod all His ways are just, Ela Munavin Avel Tzadik V'yasharu, Pasuk Dalet simply tells us, let's get things straight, number one, God's always right, Pasuk A, Begins with a question. Shechet lo. When something goes wrong, when something goes bad, like the word shechet is chet um, ego, for example. God tells Moshe, lechet ki shechet amcha. When something goes downhill, degenerates. Shechet lo. When something goes bad, are we going to attribute it to him? Lo lamed vav to him. The answer of the song is lo lamed aleph. No, banabumam. It's the, his children's fault. Dori keshuv sabto, a crooked generation. So Pasuk tells us exactly our point. If something goes wrong, Shichet, lo. Question, answer, lo. Lamed Aleph, no. Who's to blame? Banabumam. Halah dunaitik meluzot in Pasuk Vav. Amnavav lochacham. Does this foolish nation want to blame God for what went wrong? Halahu avicha kanecha. Hu oschava Why would God do anything wrong to you for no reason? God chose you to be his nation. God chose you, brought you up, made you, formed you. He chose you to be a nation to represent Him. There'd be no logical reason for God to punish the Jewish people for no reason. On the other hand, if they're doing a poor job representing God, God tells us over and over again in Chumash that He'll have to punish us in order for us to learn our lesson. Now we have a very difficult situation. He punishes the Jewish people for not doing their job. And the people, instead of understanding that punishment as a sign from God that He's unhappy with our behavior, instead they use that punishment and blame God that God's not taking care of His people. And therefore, the song is coming to set the record straight. When something goes wrong, make sure not to blame God, but blame yourself. Um, now, how do we understand what we've done wrong? The Shira continues with a lesson on how to learn from history. The song gives us a, an approach of how we're supposed to understand why is it that God would not punish us for no reason, and why we have to look for the hand of God in historical events, to appreciate why we're being punished. What do we say? Remember, learn history. Look deeply 
into the history from generation to generation. Ask your father, your elders, and they'll tell you. What will they tell you? When God, when God divided up the nations, probably referring to the story of Migdal um, Bavel, when the 70 families, they descended from the children of Noah, from Shem Chaman Yafet, in Perik Yudin, in Sefer Breshit, when he divided Bafridot Bnei Adam, he already had a in plan to choose the Jewish people, to choose a special land for the Jewish people, to locate that land at the center of all those civilizations, to be a model nation for other nations to learn from. So God already, at the beginning of the division of mankind into nations, had in mind for a nation that would represent Him. God's portion is His people. And that's why He chose Yaakov and gave him his inheritance in the land of Israel for his children. Then it describes how God took us out of, in the desert and brought us up. What did God do? God took us out of Egypt in the desert, trained us, and brought us into the land of Israel. And then the Shira continues, when we get to the land of Israel, what might happen, like he introduced in the Shura beforehand, that they'll become prosperous, that prosperity will turn to affluence, which will lead them to follow other gods, and the situation that we described before, they'll have to punish them, and the people won't understand why they're being punished. I want to share with you, um, on this little section of the Shura, a word that I learned from my Rebbe, Rabbi Yobanun, about uh, this Nesher Yerikino. The, the song talks about a nesher, it might be an eagle, exactly what bird it is, we're not sure. Um, but this nesher, which Ya'ir Kino flies around his nest, there's a, an eagle, we'll call it an eagle for the sake of the translation. Um, he goes over his nest, and then the classic understanding of is that he takes his wings, the eagle takes his wings, the, the parent eagle takes its wings and carries his babies on him to protect them. Um, Rabbi Yobanun gave a different explanation, saying, Yifos Kenafav is not talking about the parent, it's talking about the children, the, the, the little baby eagles who are just coming out of their eggs. And it's talking about how the parent eagle is teaching the little baby eagles how to fly. What does he do? He hovers over the nest, sees them, that they're ready to learn how to fly. And then he froze Kenafav when these babies begin to flap their own wings on their own. He takes the baby eagles and then he carries them uh, actually below with his claws on the bottom of his feet. And what the eagle does is it drops the little baby, the little baby eagle, away from the nest, a meter or two away. And little by little teaches uh, his children how to fly. And in the analogy in the song, is that was the purpose of our existence in the desert. What did God do? God slowly trained us to be independent on our own. In the desert we begin with a existence where we're totally dependent on God. God has to give us our food. He has to give us our water. He has to protect us from our enemies. And little by little in the desert, He has to teach us to be ready to live in the land of Israel where we have to live through, not through miracles, but through natural means. And the purpose of the desert experience was to train us how to be independent on our own, not need God in a miraculous way, but to be dependent on God through nature. Um, now we return to the theme we had before, that God says we're going to bring you into the land and take you to 
um, with hopes that you'll be this nation to represent me. And then he talks about how they'll become prosperous. Basically, the land will grow beautifully. And then, Israel become fat, prosperous, affluent. Then they'll leave God. And then they'll follow other gods. And then God says, I'm going to come and punish them. And we begin this whole cycle of how the Jewish people are going to leave God. Uh, at the end of the song, after God explains how terrible he's going to punish them, how they deserve to be totally wiped out. But at the last minute, God says, I'll save you for the sake of my name, for the sake of the Chilo Hashem, if the other nations will say, God's not protecting his people. And also, with the call, that maybe if God will come and save us, maybe after he saves us, maybe finally the Jewish people will come and recognize the hand of God and how they're required um, to serve him and follow his laws properly. For example, um, So, in light of the introduction to the song, we see how the purpose of the song is to be with the Jewish people for all generations. Should we ever be in a situation, which unfortunately we're in all too often, where things are going bad and we begin to blame God, it's God's fault for things going wrong, God's not taking care of His people, we're supposed to remember um, when things go wrong, we're supposed to look at ourselves, what we've done wrong, and don't put the blame on God, put the blame on ourselves. Now, how do we blame ourselves? Usually we have a, sometimes we do that, we blame not ourselves, we blame somebody else. The idea of, of uh, here is being right, the difference between righteous and being self-righteous is an interesting topic. Um, let's say the people of Israel recognize it's their fault, then the question is, what is it that we did wrong that we deserve this punishment? And usually there's not one specific answer, one specific deed that's wrong. But usually it's some collective behavioral problem. And every group within the people of Israel has to do their own tshuva for what they've done wrong. It's easy to blame another group, but if every group would work on themselves and do a better job, uh, then probably the tshuva process would be more successful. I want to use this to discuss our two questions about tshuva. First of all, from the introduction, it seems like God's predicting something has to go wrong. If you go back in Parsha Va'elech, in Perik Yedalad, in Perik Lamed Aleph, in Pasuk Yedalad, where God says, you know, you're about to die, Yeshua's going to take over, and here's what's going to happen. Uh, we read in Pasuk Tech Zion, I said to Moshe, God seems to be saying that it's, it's going to happen. And how do we resolve that with the concept of Becher Chofshi, where the Jewish people have freedom of choice to do right and wrong? How can God say, I know for sure you're going to, to sin? Um, I don't think we have to explain it that God says for sure it's going to happen. I think the best way to understand it, God is saying it's bound to happen. It's the Jewish people don't have to sin when they come in the land, but there's so many elements working against it, and there's such a good probability that will happen, and God is basically saying it's bound to happen, and therefore be ready uh, for the consequences. I'll bring you another example um, earlier in Sefer, in Sefer Dvarim, in Perak Dalad, which will, where God seems to be saying something very similar. In Perak Dalad, in Sefer Dvarim, um, chapter 4, verse 25, the motion in his speech tells the people, when you, give, should you, when you have children, give birth, and you spend a long time in the land, and then you're going to degenerate, go in the wrong direction, and you'll follow other gods, you'll make idols, etc. You'll get God angry by your deeds. 
then hadir to bechem ayom et hashemayim v'taharetz kibot tevudun maher meals asher atem ovrim shem tayaden shem alarista do terechun yamim malak kishemayti shemaydun. What does God say? Very, it's almost an introduction. Way earlier in Sefer Dvarim to Shirat Azinu, God says, "I'm giving witness to shemayim and aretz." It's like Shirat Azinu begins that you're not going to survive on the land if you don't follow my laws. If you follow other gods, break my laws, ultimately I have to throw you out of your land and punish you for what you've done wrong. Then Moshe continues in the speech, what will God do? God will spread you out among the nations. Um, and there you have to, you'll be forced to follow other gods. And then, in Pasach Haftet, in Perek Dalet, When you're finally in trouble, outside your land, in all your troubles in exile, finally there you're going to call out to me, you're going to call out to God, and then, that's basically the classic example, Parshat the topic of repentance, that when things get really bad, ultimately the Jewish people return to their God. Now, it seems from these psukim, the God's saying, it's bound to happen. You're going to come into the land, and it's going to happen almost. What I want to explain again is that it's very likely to happen, it's bound to happen, but it doesn't mean it has to happen. To prove that, we simply go to the end of Perak Dawid, after Moshe continues his explanation of why God chose them, and they should learn from the events of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, of the Exodus, to have faith in God. Moshe ends with the Pasuk, which we all know by heart from, we say every day in Aleinu L'Shabach. In Pasuk Lamatet, uh, at the end of this whole section, where Moshe says, when you come to land, you're bound to sin. You're, God's going to have to throw you out of your land. And then, outside your land, you're going to remember You'll be kashta misham. You're going to ask for me there, and then you call to God, and God will bring you back. Moshe ends that whole section as follows: Pasuk Lametet and Perak Dalad, verse thirty-nine. What should you do? You should know already now, today, before it all starts, and do tshuva. Return to your to your heart. Moshe ends with much better advice. He says, it's true, it's bound to happen that you're going to forget God. You'll leave God. You'll follow other gods. God will have to punish you. And then only in exile you're going to come and call back. Moshe, at the very end of his speech, at the last line of his first speech, he says, you know what? You can do tshuva before it all, even though you, it's bound to happen, you can do tshuva, you can repent before it all starts. Already recognized today in do tshuva, because you know something's bound to happen, you can prevent something from happening if you do tshuva already ahead of time. So I want to use that as a proof. The God isn't saying that this has to happen, but rather it's bound to happen. It's likely to happen. And when you're aware that something terrible is about to happen, that's likely to happen, that's a good reason to do tshuva before it all begins. And in that sense, Parshat Hazinu is very fitting for Shabbat tshuva between Rosh Hashanah and Kippur especially based on this introduction from earlier sources in Sefer Devarim, where even though terrible things are bound to happen if Amisol leaves God, if Amisol recognizes that, and the Shemaim Va'aretz are, are witnesses and reminders of God being our creator and God being able to reward us if we do good, punish us if we do bad, if we recognize that before those events unfold, we can do tshuva before we actually do anything bad, and that's the best tshuva to do, to do tshuva to be prepared for bad, for difficult situations where things are bound to go wrong. And I can do preventive tshuva 
and prevent punishment from happening. And therefore, God says, if you want to live for a long time in the land, lamanta mimaladama, if you want to live as a nation a long time in the land, simply do tshuva before you go bad, and that way you um, secure a much safer, a more prosperous existence in the land of Israel. Um, our last topic is going to take this theme from Sher Tazinu and apply it to what unfolds in in the books of Nevim. I'll bring an example from Sefer Yeshua because it's Yeshua who meets Moshe Rabbeinu together in the tent who gets this prognosis from God that all these terrible things are bound to happen. Anyone who studied Sefer Yeshua, especially anyone who studied the beginning of Sefer Shoftim, knows that the conquest of the land of Israel was far from ideal. Surely, a lot of the land was conquered, and many battles were won, and many uh, settlements were established. But we see in the opening chapter of Sefer Shoftim that aside from the tribe of Yehuda, almost all the other tribes did a very poor job of conquering their land. And a messenger, a malach from God, comes and yells at the people and says, how come you haven't captured the land and inherited the land and settled the land that I gave you? There's even sources in Sefer Yoshua itself that say that the land had not been captured as much as it should have been. And Moshe's concluding speech, and Yoshua's concluding speech in Berach Gimel, in chapter 23, he says, God helped you so far, there's a lot more to do, and if you take an initiative, God for surely will help you. Um, similarly, in Parakid Gimel, he says, there's a lot of land that was left over that wasn't captured. And even though God did help them uh, in the battles they did fight, but surely there was a lot of land that wasn't captured in the beginning of the time period of the Shoftim. Assuming that was the case, then the people were probably disturbed by the fact that the conquest of the land was not as hoped for. If you read Chumash superficially, it seems like God promised the people of Israel, I'm going to take you out of Egypt and give you the promised land on a silver platter. And it could very well be, in the time of Yeshua, especially towards the end of the time period of Yeshua, the people have a big complaint against God, and they're saying, God, you made a promise in the Bible, you promised Moshe, you promised us before Moshe died, and you and Yeshua, you also promised us, that God's going to give us the land of Israel. That seems to be what he was saying to our forefathers. In light of that, we can understand the purpose of the composition of Sefer Yeshua was not simply to tell the people of Israel, oh, here's what happened, do we know our history? Almost um, quite the opposite. The purpose of writing Sefer Yeshua and composing it and writing it down for generations was to deal exactly with that prophetic problem um, based on the question from Shirat Tazino, should the people blame God for something going wrong to explain to the people that God did everything, God is just and God is right. And God kept His promise. And if there's anyone to blame, it's the people of Israel to blame. But we said, How would that explain Sefer Yoshua? Um, if we want to understand what is it that God promised the Jewish people, we simply have to read again what God promised the Jewish people in Sefer Dvarim, in Perik Yud Aleph, Pasach Habet. Three Pesukim, Habet, Chavkimo, Chavdalet, where um, at the end of a certain section, of his speech in Sefer Dvarim at the end of Parshat Ekev, Moshe Rabbeinu summarizes as follows. He says, If you keep these laws that I'm commanding you, should you keep God's laws with the proper attitude to love God and cling to Him? If that will be your proper attitude um, to worshiping God and serving Him, then what will be your reward? Should you keep God's mitzvot properly, with the right way and the right attitude, God will help you conquer 
all the nations, uh, even though they're greater and stronger than you. And he continues in Pasuk Chavdalad, Kol makom asher tidroch kabrak lechem, bo lechem yiyeh, min amidbar lavanon, min anhar prat, adiyam achron yagvuchem. Anywhere where you go, God will come and help you um, conquer that land. If we look carefully, what is it? God didn't promise the Jewish people that as soon as they walk in, the land will be given to them on a silver platter. Instead, He says, I'll help you conquer if you take an initiative. Wherever you go, God will be there to help you. That's condition number one. B'nai Israel have to take an initiative. And if they do, God will help them. Condition number two even when they take initiative, they have to follow God's laws. In light of that, we can understand what stories get detailed in Sefer Yoshua. What does Sefer Yoshua talk about? The first section is to explain how indeed God helped us whenever we took an initiative. We sent spies in the beginning of the book. What does God do? God does a miracle, helps us cross the Jordan River. Yoshua plans to attack Yericho. God gives us a miracle and He helps us knock down the wall of the city. The famous story with the seven times around the city. Uh, the miraculous way how Yericho was captured. Um, we go to fight the eye, but because the people of Israel sinned and didn't follow God's laws in the previous battle, um, we lost the battle, of the, fir- the first battle against the eye, uh, not because God didn't keep His promise, but because God kept His condition. That He'll only help us on the condition we keep His laws. And the story of Achan comes to prove that we didn't keep His laws, we lose our battles. And that's what Sefer Yeshua comes to prove. Then when we did Shuvah, proper Shuvah, um, between the first battle of the eye and the second battle, then God helps us with the second battle of the eye and we defeat them. When we continue to take initiative with the war against the five kings, God helps us again. We take initiative with the war against the kings of the north and again, in Parakid Aleph, God helps us again. And we can view the whole first 12 chapters of Yeshua as coming to prove that whenever we took an initiative, God helped us. And whenever um, we didn't, I'm sorry, and whenever we sinned, um, God's help was limited. In fact, we lost our battles. In addition to that, um, the second half of the book that talks about our, our, conquest, our settling the land, over and over again, Yeshua is critical of the people. For example, in the beginning of Parakut Chet, he tells them, He's saying, how come you're not doing your job? You're weak. And he encourages them to finish conquering the land and finish settling it. Um, and what the book is coming to prove is that everything that God promised the Jewish people, He fulfilled. What did God promise? He promised A, if we take an initiative, he would help us conquer on the condition that we kept his laws. And that's indeed what God did. And if the conquest was not complete, who's to blame? The Jewish people are to blame for not taking a stronger initiative. And that explains what Yeshua talks about in Perikut Gimel and in Perikut Chet and later on in Perikut Gimel and for sure in the beginning of Sefer Shoftim. Uh, in light of that, uh, in light of Shirat Azinu, that gives us a introduction to how to understand and how to make possibly read Many of the books of Nevim Rishonim, we could do the same thing with Sefer Shoftim and Sefer Shmuel, and for sure for Sefer Malachim, we're, we're not just coming to tell us the history of what happened, but coming, the Navi is coming to explain why is it that God didn't help His people? What was the reason? What was the Ruchani reason? What was the spiritual reason for the bad events in Jewish history? Um, with that in mind, we should hope as Shabbat Shuvah approaches this week and we reach out to that we should uh, follow the Pasuk even though Sefer Dvarim predicts very difficult events, very um, difficult scenarios, and that happens often in modern Jewish history, where you look at the situation that we're in, and the prognosis isn't so always so good, and there bad things are bound to happen, and could likely happen, and the people likely will not follow God and keep His mitzvot. On the other hand, if we do tshuva ahead of time, um, we could do preventive tshuva, and hopefully, in the theme of Shirat Azinu, 
and the theme of uh, Shabbat Shuva, we can do Shuva, preemptive Shuva, do Shuva already beforehand, and hopefully in light of that Shuva, God will bless us with a year of prosperity and Avodat Hashem, and continuing to act as God's people in a proper way. Shabbat Shalom.